Hey, I'm Pastor Paul Watson, and you're listening to the official podcast of the Downtown Vineyard Church. At DTV Church, we're followers of Jesus, and we believe that relationships are holy and that God loves everyone. We are so excited that you're a part of our online community of faith, and from wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message this week. So here's where we're at. We are, this particular Sunday, would be what would be called Holy Week. It's the beginning of Holy Week. It's the beginning of what Jews would call Passover. Passover is the week before, um, it's, it's, it, as Christians, it's the week before Jesus is crucified. Uh, today is the beginning of Passover for Jews, but for us, it's uh, this moment where you read in Scripture, and you'll find the story of the triumphal, it's called the triumphant entry, you'll find it in all four Gospels. And today, it's a pretty long story, and so today I'm just going to kind of walk us through it. I'm going to point out three, um, two passages in it, that you see Jesus, and Jesus is with his disciples. He's just done this marathon, if you're, if you're reading scripture, he's just done this marathon of healing people. Boom, 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 boom. I think there's seven stories that you'll find before you find the triumphal re-entry into Jerusalem, and he has these Seven moments where he heals people, heals people, heals people, heals people, heals people. And then he looks at his disciples and he says, hey, let's go to Jerusalem so that we can be there for Passover. As they're walking to Jerusalem, uh, he tells his disciples, he says, go on ahead of us. Uh, You're going to find this donkey tied up. He says, get that donkey, bring it for me. I'm going to enter Jerusalem on that white donkey. And he says, when you get there, there's going to be a man. You're going to start untying that donkey. And that man's going to look at you and say, hey, dude, what are you doing still in my donkey? And you're going to just look at him and say, it's for the Lord. And he's going to say, perfectly fine. Take it. And so exactly that's what happens. The two disciples, they go up. They find the donkey just as Jesus told him it would be. They begin to untie it. A man comes out and says, hey, why are you taking my donkey? He said, it's for the Lord. And he goes, oh, it's fine have it. Take it. So they take it back to Jesus. Jesus gets on the donkey, and he begins to go into Jerusalem. And as he's going into Jerusalem, people start yelling, hell the king, hell the king. He's Lord. He's the Messiah. And they start laying down palm branches, which is totally traditional. It's it's something that always happened anytime a king would enter a city. This is what they would do to recognize his majesty. Now, there's something that happens as Jesus begins to come into Jerusalem. It says this in verse 41. It says, but as he came closer to Jerusalem and he saw the city ahead of him, he began to weep. Now, there's only three places where Jesus weeps. He weeps when he gets word that his friend Lazarus is dead. It's actually the shortest passage in scripture. It just simply says, and Jesus weeps. It holds its own title. It holds its own place in Scripture. And and it's the shortest Scripture. It says, and Jesus weeps. So when he finds out that his friend, his great friend, has died, Jesus cries. The other place besides the place that we read about that we see that Jesus cries is he cries on the cross. And on the cross it says that he cries tears of blood. He's in such anguish and he's in such pain but he's also so, so deeply brokenhearted that he cries tears of pain. 
in this particular passage, there's this moment for Jesus as he's walking in, as he's riding into the city, he's on a donkey. Now, now get this, you need to understand this, that as he's riding in on the, the donkey, the donkey's a white virgin donkey. It's never been ridden before. And it, it, um, as a donkey, it represents when a king rides in to a city on a donkey, it means that a time of peace is upon us. If he rides in on a horse, it means a time of war has come. And Jesus loads up and he rides in on this white donkey, virgin donkey, never been ridden before. He rides in on a white donkey, making the statement that peace has come. Now, isn't it ironic that Jesus is making a statement that it's a time of peace and peace has come, and we're getting to go into a time of death and a time of chaos. And so what we see in this moment is that what Jesus is representing is a time of peace has come because he's the king of peace, and he gets to bring this moment, and he gets to say, whatever you see going on in the world around you, don't believe it. The kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of peace is upon us. And so Jesus rides in as a king of peace. And he sees the city and he weeps, which I think is powerful. And the reason I think it's powerful, because I think that every Christian should weep for their city. I'm going to let that hang for a second. As believers in Jesus, we should love our cities so much. We should love our communities so much that the state that they're in should break our heart. There should be a peace for us that causes us to just like, God, would you come to this city? Would you come to Grand Junction? Would you heal Grand Junction? Would you pour out your spirit upon Grand Junction? Lord, would people in Grand Junction know your heart? And so then he goes up into the city. The very first place Jesus goes is the temple, which is very traditional. This is, not, this is not like Jesus was holy and he said, hey guys, let's go to the church first. No, no, this is very traditional that when you get to Jerusalem, the very first thing you do is you go to the temple. And the reason you go to the temple is because you're going to buy something to make a sacrifice. Maybe if you're poor, you're going to buy doves. If you're rich, you're going to buy a bull. Uh, you, but you're going to buy something to make a, a, a um, sacrifice for repentance. Because Passover is about repentance. It's about remembering what God has done in your life. And so you're going to go to the temple, and you're going to buy something. And when Jesus gets to the temple, the temple's a mess. And the church is taking advantage of people left and right and left and right. And Jesus goes from crying over the state of Jerusalem to being angry over the state of the church. That's a dramatic shift. And he begins to turn over tables, and he begins to throw things over, and he says, my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And so there's this moment for Jesus. Now, you have to catch this. He doesn't say, my temple is supposed to be a house of prayer. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, hey, what have you done to the temple? The temple's supposed to be a place where people pray, he, he, and, and you've turned it into a den of thieves. He says, no, my temple will be a house of prayer. You have turned it into a den of thieves. He's stating what the future looks like, not what the past looks like. And there's a space where he's saying that here's what we have come to do. We have come, and, and in, in my coming, the kingdom of peace comes, and the church should be a church that prays. 
That's what the church should be. And so there's these six things that Passover celebrates. Six things that Passover celebrates. The first thing is this, that when Jews celebrate Passover, they're celebrating that God delivered the Jewish people from 400 years of slavery. So that's a good thing to celebrate. They're celebrating the fact that they have freedom. The second thing that the Jews celebrate during Passover is that they pass over that God has reaffirmed his covenant with Abraham setting the Jewish people apart as a chosen people. And so there's this moment where they're saying, God has reaffirmed our relationship with him through Abraham. We have a redeemed relationship because of what God has reaffirmed through Abraham. They're also also, um, uh, celebrating the miraculous power of God. That that God displayed his mighty miracles through uh, Moses. And when God set them free, there was all these miracles that happened. And so they regularly try to remember. They try not to lose sight that God is a powerful God who regularly moves in people's lives in miraculous ways. And then they celebrate this. They celebrate that God has given them a land of promise. They're saying that God called us out, not just out to be a people who wander endlessly in our people without a land but god promised us to be a people with a land and then he they promised the, the fifth one is that god established an annual time for jews to reaffirm their covenant and so passover was set up so that jewish families would come and every year a family would stand in the temple and reaffirm its covenant to be a family who honors god One of my favorite things that we do as a church is child dedications. And I love it because when you get a family up here, you're just asking a family, hey, do you promise that you're going to raise your children in the ways of the Lord? And I love that the families stand up here and they say, man, we promise we're going to raise our family in the ways of the Lord. And Jews do this every year. Every year they reaffirm their relationship. They reaffirm their family's covenant with being a family that honors God. And then their last one was this is that they celebrate that God had given them a glimpse of the Messiah to come. Now, what was breaking Jesus' heart as he rode into Jerusalem was that here they are looking for the Messiah, and they keep missing him. They're a city who's built on religious beliefs, and they look for the Messiah to come, but they keep missing the Messiah. And so here's what we're going to do today. I'm just going to real quick... I'm going to give you three reasons that I, that I believe that grace is so important to the Christian life. Now, as I sat and studied in this week, there was this thought that went through my head that was, what would it take for people, <coughs> our church, to think through the process that would give them courage enough to invite somebody to church for Easter? What would it take? Next week, I know that this, this, this service will be full. This service will be two, three times fuller than it is right now. And, and lots of people will come on their own. But there's this moment between now and next Sunday where you're going to get to have an opportunity to talk to people about your faith. <clears throat> and my question was really just, what would it take for people to be able to say, hey, I think I want to go to church downtown. Here's the first one. <clears throat> when we talk about grace. Because grace does for others what others cannot do for themselves. <coughs> See, that was me being grateful to your, your ears. 
Grace does for others. One of the things that grace always does is grace does for others what others cannot do for themselves. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed that um, grace is a space where what people won't allow for themselves, <coughs> grace is a space that allows others to come in and do for them what they can't do for themselves? Grace is that ability to offer someone forgiveness who can't offer themselves forgiveness. Grace is that place that offers mercy without judgment. Grace is the space that offers kindness without requiring benevolence in return. Let me, let me give you a little simple definition of grace. I believe, this is Paul Watson's definition, I believe that grace is unconditional love extended to undeserving people. You want to know what grace is? Grace is when you deserve to get in trouble and you don't. <clears throat> when I was a little boy, my mom was so mad at me. I can't even tell you why, but I can remember my mama being mad at me. Now, my mama could take care of things on her own. She didn't really need my daddy to do it, right? Like, my mama was one of those mamas that, like, she didn't, like, just tell. When your daddy gets home, no, no, my mom was like, you better pray your daddy gets home because I'm going to kill you before he does. <laughs> but on this particular occasion, my mama, my mama looks at my daddy and says, Bill Watson, you better deal with this boy because I'm going to kill him. You need to take him in the back, and you need to get him some spankings. So whatever I had done, Paul Watson needed some spankings to get it out of him. And so uh, my dad looks at me and goes, okay, Paul, back to the back bedroom. Now, my dad had this thing that he could do, and I think that most men uh, in, the, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, I think that they could do it. He could take off his belt with one hand and pull it out and go, <laughs> and it was a big piece of leather. It was like, and like just that motion was scary. And my daddy used to like, he'd say, <coughs> go to the willow tree, get yourself a willow. You better pick out a good one or if I pick it out, it's going to hurt worse. Right? Like we had to go to the, the willow tree to get the willow. I don't know if you had to do that or not, but we had to go to the willow tree to pick out the willow. And, and so when my mama looks at my daddy and says, you need to deal with this boy, you need to take him back and give him some spankings. Uh, he looked at me and he said, let's go. And we go back to the back bedroom. And I'm telling you, this never, ever, ever happened. We walk back in there. He shuts the door and he looks at me and goes, all right, here's how this thing's going down. I'm going to slap the bed and you're going to cry. <laughs> like, what? I'm going to slap the bed with my belt and you're going to cry. And so he had slapped the belt and I'd, I'd scream, wah! He had slapped the belt and I'd scream, wah! And then we come out and he goes, you better pull this off because I don't want to be in trouble with your mama. And I come out, and I'm like holding my eyes, and I'm downcast, and I go in my room, and I'm like, yes! Grace is unconditional love <laughs> extended to undeserving people, right? Grace is the X factor in a relationship. Grace is the space. Man, I hope you're in one of these relationships. Grace is the space where you know you blew it and you can still go home. That's what grace is. Grace is you screwed up, but you're not afraid of going home because you can go home because you know that there's people there that love you. Did I just describe a church? Should have. That should be what church is. 
that whatever happens on Monday, whatever happens on Tuesday, whatever happens on Thursday, whatever happens on Saturday, like you don't hold your head and say, oh, I can't go to church today. No, you wake up and you go, oh, I can go to the downtown Vineyard Church. That's a place that knows the grace of Jesus. That's the place. That's the space. You know this passage. I'm going to read you this passage. You either know it from the scripture or you know it from maybe some sappy movie. But either way, it's a powerful scripture. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It does not keep records of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It always endures in every circumstance. You see, that's grace. Grace does for others what it cannot do for itself. Grace does for others what others cannot do for themselves. Let me give you the second one. I'm going to just wrap these real quick up. I believe this. I believe that grace is the ability it willingly shares in others' suffering and isn't afraid to let people in on their own. Like when we talk about grace and we say, why would we invite people to church next week? Grace has the ability that when when we see this picture of Jesus, we see Jesus, and Jesus is literally coming into Jerusalem, and he's coming into Jerusalem, and they don't even know they need him. You guys catch that, right? As Jesus comes into Jerusalem, Jerusalem has no idea that it even needs Jesus. And Jesus comes in to willingly share in their suffering. He comes in to be and take on their suffering. So grace is this place that uh, we, we get to see that grace isn't afraid to walk with other people's suffering. Can you imagine a church that, that hears about and knows about people's struggles and doesn't go, hey, we'll just pray for you. But goes, hey, I'll come to your house Hey, we'll pray for you. Hey, no, 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 I want to be with you. You think about Jesus and Matthew the tax collector. Matthew, Matthew the tax collector, he's really a pretty, like, not, not really high moral guy. And Jesus comes along and looks at him and says, hey, Matthew, follow me. And he goes, oh, and by the way, Matthew, we're going to have a party at your house tonight. Invite all your friends. Can you imagine that party? Like Before Jesus gets there, don't you know that all of Matthew's friends were like, what did you do wrong? Like Jesus is coming to your house. It wasn't like this, woohoo, Jesus is coming. You know that there's this anxiety of like, like <coughs> why, would, why did you invite Jesus to the party? And Jesus shows up and he's just there to be with the people. He's not there to judge them. He's not there to say, hey, you need to get your life back on track. Hey, we're going to have some food, but then we're going to have a conversation. No, he's there to be with the people. As a matter of fact, it's the Pharisees who show up. And the Pharisees show up, and, and the Pharisees show up, and when the Pharisees show up, they say, do you even know who you're eating with? And Jesus says, yeah. It's the sick that need a doctor, not the healthy. Now, on one side, Matthew is probably like, did he just call me sick? And then you know, because it's a bunch of dudes, right? Dudes don't walk in and go, oh, that's a pretty outfit. Dudes walk in and go, man, you're ugly. Right? And all the guys are like, you know it, I'm ugly. 
right? The dudes talk to each other differently than girls talk to each other. But you know, his friend, did he just call me sick? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I am. But I love you, right? Like, there's a space that I hope the downtown Vineyard Church is in. That we don't just say, hey, we'll pray for you. We say, hey, let me come to your house. Let me, why don't you guys come over for dinner tonight? Hey, I'm sorry you're going through that. Why don't you guys come on over, right? If you want to know the, if, if you want people to know the story of Jesus, just tell them your story of Jesus. Your story of Jesus is as powerful as anything they will ever hear. Your story of how God got you through your divorce is more powerful than telling about Paul and Linnea's struggles. Your story and how Jesus redeemed your business venture that went south is way more important than maybe somebody else's story. If you want to let people know the story of Jesus, just start telling them your story of Jesus, how Jesus intervened in your life. You see, here's the last thing that I wanted to give you this morning. You see, I believe this. We're going to be talking about God's amazing grace next week. And as we talk about God's amazing grace, the one thing that I think is the most powerful thing about God's amazing grace is that God's grace has the courage to accept people who they, for, for where they are. That's the most important part of the story, right? In Matthew chapter 11, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Let's read that again, just real quick. I'm going to read that out loud again. Come to me, all who are weary, and carry heavy burdens. Who are, who's that? Come to me, all who are weary, and carry heavy burdens. If you are weary, or if you carry heavy burdens, would you raise your hand? That's everybody. We could have just stopped at come to me all. Everyone can come to me. Everyone can come to me. And then he goes on to say, because I'll carry your heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden I give you is light. Why would you not want to give that to your friends and your family? Why would you not want to invite friends and family into God's amazing grace? There's a passage, and when I say passage, I think there's this piece that is so powerful. There's this monk who wrote these words um, many years ago. He says, if we knew what people had been through, we might be less inclined to judge them for how they got through it. You guys think that was good? If we knew what people had been through, we might be less inclined to judge them for how they got through it. See, I, I think that one of the best traits of Jesus is his grace. That he doesn't judge people for how they got through it, but he does offer them a better way. He does offer them salvation. The problem with life is we want people to accept us as we are, and we want others to change so that they can become who we want them to be. Isn't that a weird thing? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to close. We're going to close. Um, I think we're closing with Amazing Grace. If I'm wrong on that, just please forgive me. But we're going to close with a worship song. And here's what I'm really hoping for this week. 
This week is less, uh, a little less dramatic than what we've been through in the past 12 weeks. But there's this space that I'm really hoping that you would really think through this week. How do we share God's amazing grace with our friends, our family, our neighbors, and our coworkers, and our roommates? And how can we invite them into God's amazing grace? Next week is a really easy ask. I think there's really two, two, maybe three easy asks a year that when you have friends and family and you have a hard time saying, hey, you want to come to church with me? Like there's two or three times that are really easy. Christmas and Easter, they really are. And maybe a family reunion or a family gathering sometime. You got family in town and you say, hey, we're going to go to church on Sunday. You guys want to go, right? Sometimes it's a little more difficult. But who wouldn't want to be a part of a body of believers that's willing to love you for who you are and accept you for where you're at? And if Jesus' grace is so amazing, why wouldn't we invite the whole city? Amen? It's kind of fun to... uh have a service where we get to celebrate some stuff. You know what's kind of neat is as I was thinking about this just the past few minutes, like we get to be a church who changes lives. Mrs. Grant, it's going to change literally the lives of pastors. They don't even know it's coming. As the new regional leader, I get to change the lives of pastors and churches. And our little church gets to be a part of that. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you know why we get that? Because somebody invited Missy's family to church. Because somebody invited my family to church when I was a little boy. This week you get to invite somebody's family to church. Don't miss it. It, 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 it's not a, it's not a, it doesn't start at a high level. It starts at just a one-on-one conversation. That you get the week, chance this week to be praying about, Lord, who would you have me invite to church next week? And you get to change somebody's life. Don't miss it. God wants to use you this week. All right, we're going to pray. If you're here from ComCore or you'd like to be a part of our ComCore ministry, uh, in just a few minutes we're going to meet upstairs and we're going to have coffee and some bagels and some stuff. All right? So ComCore, we love you guys. We love that program. And so don't miss that. That happens upstairs directly after this service. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We love you that we get to be a part of a grace-filled church. We love you for your grace. We love you for the people that you put in our lives that got to call us to you. And so, Lord, this week, would you put somebody on our hearts that we could invite into your kingdom to experience your grace? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you. Hey, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends. If you find this tool valuable and would like to support this ministry, you can do so easily through our DTV app or on our website, dtvchurch.org forward slash give. God bless you and have a great rest of your week.